We got a special treat here today because we've got Pastor Cam Wathen here who pastors Mosaic Church in Victoria. Uh, Mosaic Church used to be known as Calvary Chapel Victoria. And so Cam's a, a fellow Calvary Chapel pastor and we've known each other for a long time. And uh, I'm excited to have him come and share. We had a great morning already together and uh, yeah. We're excited. So let's give Pastor Cam a warm welcome here today. All right. Thank you, Brent. All right. His birthday doesn't, doesn't need to preach, right? Yeah, we were joking around. Who knows what went on yesterday? So he needs a pinch, pinch hitter. Pinch hitter. So, yeah, I'm from Victoria on the island, and uh, I love it over there. And you guys are so generous as to take all of our clouds and everything and just bring them over here into your funnel and stuff like that. Sorry, joke at your expense. Uh, no, really, it's a blessing to be on the island. There's some negatives, you know, ferries and all that stuff. And it's just getting more crowded and with the ferries and everything. But man, just to serve God wherever he calls us to. And my wife and I were open to going anywhere. Uh, we met at actually the Calvary Chapel Bible College in year 2000. And uh, we just were like, Lord, wherever you want to take us. And, and we didn't know it'd be up here. And so we're so thankful, so blessed to have done so, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just been an adventure serving the Jesus. So I get uh, to share here with you this morning in the Gospel of John, and before I do so, I just want to share some uh, introduction to the text and uh, what's going on in the scene, and then we'll read the text and pray. So uh, title it Better This Way, and there's a lot of things that go on in life where you think uh, it, it wouldn't be better. We have our concept of, of how things would go well. And uh, the Lord doesn't always have the same plans, you know, and so we think, how could it be better if this were to occur? You know, how could it be better if um, a difficult situation happens, a sickness happens, or a loss in the family happens, or separation happens in some degree? You know, something that just is difficult, how could that be better? And, and the disciples are in such a spot, you know, and it's better this way, kind of sounds like a, a breakup song or something like that. And it's because I was listening to one of Brent's old albums, and he, was, he wrote this great breakup song and stuff like that, but no, just kidding. But I do have one of his really old albums, uh, worship albums. But, you know, being heartsick or being in a situation where you just can't understand how things could, could this could be a good thing. And yet the Lord just ministers and, and wants to see you through that. And so I hope this ministers to you this morning, and it should minister to all of us, because of, of how he's going to share with his disciples. But if you've ever felt like you were lost at heart or um, confused or you wonder, where's the Lord at? You know, where's the Lord at in all this? And where's the Lord at in my life? Hey, you're not alone. This text <laughs> speaks directly to that and many other texts would as, as well. So Jesus has told his disciples several times he's leaving, he's departing. And I think many times they were just, um, you know, they, they would pass that off. They didn't want to hear that. And you know, when you don't want to hear something, you just kind of can, okay, you know, you, you turn a blind eye, so, so to speak, to it. And uh, okay, that's great. So which one of us is going to be the greatest? You know, that's what they were literally asking. It's like, one of you is going to betray me. And, and they all asked, Who, is it I? Is it I, Lord? But, but then they would argue after that, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? So I, I think that they weren't really sinking their teeth into the reality that he's departing. But this is the night that he is departing. He's, he's, he's going to Gethsemane after this scene. He's going to be uh, tortured. He's going to be taken to the trials. He's going to be then crucified. And, you know, he's going to feel forsaken and alone through all of this. 
And, and the disciples are there, and, and they, they're facing it now. It's, it is the time that he is really departing. They can't ignore it at all anymore. And, and it's really hitting them. And so you'll see in the text that their hearts are absolutely full of sorrow. And, and so he addresses that and ministers to them. Um, he's comforting them. So it's time for him to leave. He's, he, he's the one that should be getting the comfort. I mean, he's going to sweat great drops of blood. He's going to be face, facing such difficulty. I was thinking about the inauguration of his ministry. He's sent into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit's there, you know, sending him. And then it's, it's so difficult, 40 days, 40 nights, the temptation. And then public ministry. Well, this is like the exit door from that public ministry. And so it's the other side of it where, again, he's going to be in the garden, and he's, so much pressure is going to be coming upon him you know, hematidrosis, and then he's sweating blood to that degree that the capillaries uh, around his sweat glands are bursting, seeping blood into the capillaries, into the sweat glands, and streaming down his face. And you can imagine that face covered in blood, literally dripping to the ground. And he goes to his disciples and says, can't you stay with me one hour? And they can't. But he's the one that goes and moves to comfort them. When he needs comfort, and he's going to comfort them to the very end. So let's uh, read the text here. Follow along with me in John 16, 5 to 15. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thanks for just being with us this morning. And thank you for your promises that are yes and amen. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And now, Lord... We need your spirit to guide us into all truth. And we thank you for, for that promise, that, that you've sent your spirit. And Lord, we rely upon you so much, Lord, even in hours we were not aware of it. We're always reliant. And so, God, thank you for, for this time. Thank you for just our acknowledgement of the dependence upon you. And, and we want your blessing. So, Lord, as your children, we come before your throne, and we ask for mercy, we ask for help, and we ask once again for our Father in heaven just to bless us. So. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in the first couple verses here, verse 5 and 6, we see that he, he really knows their heart. You know, he's not upset that they're not the ones, you know, ministering to him. He doesn't, he doesn't get upset at them. You know, I get to the point where I'm, I'm tired, you know, I'm ministering, I'm serving, and then it's like I reach my limit. And I'm like, when's it turn? It's time to someone to serve me or something. You know, it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're to be servants. But like, think about Jesus. 
Mark 10, 45, who, the Son of Man, he came to serve, not to be served, and to give his life a ransom for many. And we see that to the very end. He's just, he's serving them, and he's serving them, and he's serving them. And they have asked him a couple times where he was going, you know, and, and yet in this scene, they're not asking him where he's going. It's, it's come down to that mark and that line where he's departing from them. And they're more concerned about what's going to happen to them. You know, they're not asking him, hey, what's going to happen to you when you leave? They're saying, what's going to happen to us when you leave? This is not a good situation that you're leaving us. That's what their mind, that's what's going on in their hearts. And their hearts are full of sorrow. They're concerned about what's going to happen to them. And in many ways, rightly so. Jesus could hold his own anywhere, but them, I don't think so. What's going to happen to us when you leave? And they're not wondering about the doctrines of, of the suffering Messiah, about the fulfillment of those prophecies. They're not worrying about um, the theological questions or these other things. They're, they're really, truly just concerned for themselves because, hey, it's, it's going to really affect them when Jesus leaves. I mean, they've never had anyone like Jesus in their life. They've never had anyone who loved them so much. They've never had anyone who would care for them to the degree he has, or even accept them like, like he has. Interesting, in the Jewish culture, you know, the boys are, are picked. when they, they come to their bar mitzvah age, and they're chosen. Like, you're, you're a real bright one. Let's bring you into scribe school or something like that. Now, of course, there's the tribe of Levi with the priests, but beyond that, they would pull out to be rabbis. Notice how none of the disciples were chosen, you know? But they were chosen by the Lord, and, and they're so dependent. The relationship they had with him was not just something intellectual or contractual. You can see that Jesus really loved them, and they really loved him and needed him. And so they've never, they've never met someone who would know everything about them and yet absolutely tremendously accept them, who, who knows, I mean, everything that's gone on in their heart, all the failures, all the mistakes, all the problems, all the gunk, and he loves them. I mean, he's absolute holiness, and, and he knows all things, and yet he loves them, and he totally accepts them. And then not, one, not for one minute do they feel totally condemned by him or anything like that. It's incredible. He's not like anyone they've ever known or met. They may have been raised in a family that loves them or not. They may have been raised in a, in a healthy community at the synagogue or not you know, in their hometown or not, but they've never been around someone like Jesus. And that, that's the same for anybody. So they're, they're thinking for him to leave. This is, this is worse than death. This, how could Jesus go? And so blessed beyond anything else when Jesus is with them. And in no uncertain terms, though, he's saying, I'm going. It's, it's that time. So from a personal standpoint, really, it's the worst news that he's leaving. And from a commission standpoint, thinking about he's given them a job to do. How are we going to do this? Like, who's going to be in charge once he leaves? Like, Peter, and he's fighting with the sons of thunder about who's going to be in charge. You know, so what's going to happen when we, he goes? You know, we're called to serve, but it's going to be an impossible scenario. When he leaves, in their minds, think about it. Impossible scenario. Absolutely. So what are we going to do? Uh, how are we going to serve or share news of the kingdom without the king here? He's supposed to inaugurate this or what have you. And even getting along with one another, you know. So I, I was 
I often, because we don't have family with us, extended family in Victoria, and we weren't, my wife and I both weren't raised there. So our family's from the States, and, and yet I, I was raised in Vancouver. And, and uh, so we have four kids, and quite often we'll leave our, leave our kids at home, and we, we, we teach independence by leaving them alone and uh, fend for themselves and so forth. So that's a joke, but it's true. Uh, <laughs> Not lawnmower parents. I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's like mow down everything in their paths so they can succeed. It's like, yeah, but they have zero resistance. They won't know, they won't know what to do when anything difficult hits. But anyway, so uh, we'll leave them and go to a prayer meeting or go out for the night. And I remember last week, it was a Tuesday night. We go to the prayer meeting at another person's house and, and, and say, hey, and I actually, I want, I'd like you guys to do these chores. I'd like you to have your you know, pajamas on, you know, lunch is made for the next day and all, just give them the list or whatever, right? And, uh, you know, I come home and nothing's done, right? Of course, right? So, I mean, and that's nothing compared to, to these disciples here in that sense. Jesus is going out. He's leaving. And they're like, this, this is not good. And he knows, he knows them. He's not naive to their situation. He knows their needs. He knows their weaknesses. So what does he say in verse seven? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He's warming him up. I am. I'm going. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So it is to your advantage. You think, how is this to my advantage? You know, if someone were telling you, hey, I'm going to like Hey, you're bankrupt. It's to your advantage. Like, what? You know, that's not, that's not to my advantage. Or this is happening. It's to your advantage. You know, this affliction is to your advantage. Or this difficulty is to, it's to my advantage. I don't think so. Now, it's better that I go. Better for who? <laughs> you know, better for who? Better for Jesus, maybe, but not for these guys. How could it possibly be to their advantage? There's no team Jesus without Jesus. And so it's serious. It'd be hard to believe. But he tells them, it's to your advantage that I go. And now it hinges on this. So look at this and pay attention. If you're going to get something, get this, that because or if. This is why it's better. You want to know why it's better? It's better because if he does not go away, the helper will not come. Here's why. If. For if. I don't go away. I need to go away because I have something better for you than me present. It's like, wouldn't it be awesome to have Jesus? Hey, everybody's had that conversation, I would think, right? Wouldn't it be so cool if Jesus was actually like with us, like sitting here with us, like worshiping with us or going here with us or going there with us? And we think that would be better. But this scenario is actually better. And actually, this current scenario we are in as God's people, as his children adopted into his family, is actually better than if he were physically actually right here in just his one body. You know, but he's in his spirit, in the body of Christ, which is actually better. It's amazing. You know? And we'll get to some of the applications of that soon. But he says, if I don't go, the helper will not come to you. And, and all these personal pronouns about the Holy Spirit. But if I de- if I depart, I will send him to you. I have something so much better to you of my presence. So one answer he gives them. And in many places in this, in this series, in John here, you're going to see, and Pastor Bennett will share, I'm sure, about the Holy Spirit. And here he calls the Holy Spirit several titles there, of the helper and the spirit of truth and our guide. So many applications. But the one answer is really, why is it better? 
The Holy Spirit, that's why it's better. That's the answer. And Jesus tells them it's so much better if he goes essentially too. Because he can send his spirit, spirit of Christ, the very presence of God. Wherever they go, the glory of God is with them, in them, upon them. You know, and if there's one thing to get, that is it. And we underestimate the presence of the Holy Spirit. We, I do it all the time. I underestimate. I don't suddenly think, oh, the Lord's here with me right now. I know scriptures. I know where two or three are gathered, he's there in the midst. Amen. You know? But when I'm alone, is he in the midst? I don't understand that one. You know, it's like, what about four? Uh, you know, but there's that promise. He's with us. And, and he will be with us and in us. Now, my brother binds, binds Bibles. He's really nice Bibles in Southern California. And, and he sends me, he somehow gets different translations and you'll send me a Bible here or there. So I've got this one Matthews translation. It's just, it was printed by Moody Press like some 50 years, 60 years ago. And it's just the New Testament. But I read it and I read it in that. I wanted to share it with you in John 16, 5 to 7. But now I am going away to him who has sent me. And not one of you is asking me where I'm going, but sorrow has taken complete possession of your hearts because I've told you these things. Yet it is nothing but the truth I tell you now that it is better for you that I should go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to be in close fellowship with you. Jesus was external to them. When they were in the boat in the sea and Jesus wasn't in the boat and the storm happens, he's watching from the hill praying at night. He wasn't in the boat. He wasn't present in the boat. Now, he saw their circumstance. He was, he was aware. He had a heart full of love. He cared for them. He did say they'd cross, etc., but he wasn't there, right? Lord, if you'd been here, Mary and Martha are saying, and their brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. You would have been there. And how many times do we think, Lord, if you were here, if you would just be here in my life, if you would be here in, this, in the midst, if you would be here in this situation, is he not? now that he has risen and sent his Holy Spirit. So what a blessing. He was only external to them, but now he would be internal in their life, in the believer's life, abiding in them and he in them, us in him and he in us. And they will experience, believe it or not, he's telling a greater fellowship with Jesus than before. A greater fellowship. I, I, I was sharing some of this with my wife even last night. We were talking, and, and she said, you know, I remember when we, were, when we were first married, I wanted to be like, I wanted to be closer to you. I wanted to like, our souls would sink into each other or something. Like I, I, it's like she was saying, I, I almost like couldn't get enough of that. And I'm like, oh, that's good, you know, we're, we're married or whatever. I'm just like, thinking, just like I'm like, I'm there. You know, Cameron, I, I, want a, I want a close relationship. I'm like, we got one, it's good. Um, and that's maybe just the typical male-female thing or something. I don't know. But, uh, y- you know, it's like we're, I was sharing this with her, and she says, that's so what it's like. And now with the Lord, it's like they, they couldn't stand the thought of him departing from them. And he's basically telling them, yeah, but then I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to be closer than you ever knew. I'm going to be present. You know, what's the church in China doing right now? Look at the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? What's the church doing in, in Iran? What's the church doing all over the world? And what are we doing as his, as his bride, as believers, right? We've been adopted into his family, and we have the Holy Spirit. 
It's a blessing. I got to meet a man yesterday at uh, the Metropolis Metrotown Mall, and, and I asked him to pray for me because I had a migraine. He was sitting with uh, some others, and he was ministering to them. He had his Bible open, highlights, and all this stuff. And I was like, and the Lord's just speaking to my heart, go, go, get, go ask him for prayer. And I'm thinking, ah, you know, I'll be sitting with others. I'll wait till they leave. They left eventually. And I'm like, all right, ah, no, no. You know, you've gone through that. You're prompting. The Lord's prompting you to do something. You're like, nah, nah. Oh, you know. Finally, I'm like, what is, this is stupid. I walk over there. I'm like, hi, I just, I just want you to pray for me. That's it. I'm a Christian live on the island, just want you to pray. And man, this guy, his name is Duncan, he's from Hong Kong, he laid his hand on me and just praying, and it was immediate kinship. It was just, and he said it, he's like, this is a divine appointment, the Holy Spirit's here. It was awesome, it was great, you know, and my son was there, and my, immediately he spoke into his life, he warmed up, it was just good, we needed that. We needed someone else in the body of Christ, why? Because we needed them? No, I needed the Lord. I needed, I needed someone, you know, you are in the spirit, right? Bear one of those burdens or um, you are spiritual, restore such a one. So we have that because of the Holy Spirit and all the gifts that we get to give each other. It's just awesome. And so I didn't know this guy before, but I knew the presence of the spirit was there. It was bold in a public place like Starbucks there at the mall. So, uh, you know, I, I relied on him in that moment. And I was really relying on the, on the Lord. And it's just, it's just good. So... There are countless applications of the Holy Spirit in his presence. Countless. Absolutely countless. Don't limit the Lord. But Jesus just gives them two primary applications in this text that we'll look at. And the first one, if you want to think of it external, then internal you can, but it's not merely that. But the first one is in verse 8 to 11, the Holy Spirit as, as their helper in all ways, verse 7, but now the Holy Spirit to convict the world, verse 8 to 11, when he has come. He's like, he's coming. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And there it is again, you see me no more. Of judgment, verse 11, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now this, I mean, this might have flown over their heads, hopefully not, but he's obviously applying it to the situation they're in and the sorrow in their hearts. And many times I've read this and I've just thought, okay, it's just that the Holy Spirit's in the world convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It's obviously not my job to convict the world. Some people think that it might be their ministry. It's not. Your ministry is not of conviction. It's a ministry of reconciliation, right? Ministry of grace that God's given his, his church. But the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world. So, all right, that's great. You know, what's he need us for? I don't think that's the point of Jesus telling them that, that the Holy Spirit's going to convict the world. So, uh, yeah, you're off the hook, guys. You know, take a long break. I think he's telling them that because it's part of the problem of Jesus leaving. They've got work to do in his kingdom. They've been called to be joint heirs with him and to serve him. They want to serve the Lord. And, I mean, I think that Jesus' point there, it's not going to be apart from them, this work of convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, the Holy Spirit can absolutely do that anywhere, anytime in people's lives. But what about how that ministers to them and how it should minister to us today? How can they be ministers of the kingdom without the king? There's no team Jesus again without Jesus. How can they be ambassadors of Christ? Like, they weren't ready. You know? They're fighting still. Like, in the upper room at Passover, they were fighting about who would be the greatest in the Gospel of Luke. Unbelievable, right? No, it's totally believable. Because <laughs> we're like that. And, and yet, the Holy Spirit is promised to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So let's dig into that a little bit. You know, when... 
people asked big questions. And when they would, when they would try to um, corner Jesus, he always had the answers. He always had the truth. And he always gave it out. When, when, when the scribes came, or the lawyers, the Pharisees came, the Herodians came, I mean, people who were of opposite sides of the political party of the day joined forces against Jesus and launched an assault against him. He's in Jerusalem, and one question would come after another. And Jesus had answers, and people would walk away. They would just, oh, man, they, they couldn't defend themselves after Jesus spoke. And when people ask me questions, many times I'm like, I don't know, you know, I, I don't have an answer necessarily. So here he promises the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And remember, he said at one point, don't worry beforehand what you're going to talk about, what you're going to say. Don't worry about in that time. In that hour, I'll give you words to speak. How? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit also convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And through the believers, that's going to happen. Sin because of unbelief in Jesus. So here's three fronts, right? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Jesus interprets it in the text of how the Holy Spirit does that. All three are tied directly to Jesus and the gospel, essentially. So that's what I want us to see here. So when he convicts the world, the Holy Spirit's in the world convicting the world of sin. Why? Because of unbelief in Jesus. The Holy Spirit's not there like, you're so bad because you did that again. Stop doing that. You know, works, right? Based righteousness. No, the Holy Spirit's convicting, you need a savior and his name's Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit's convicting of sin. Sin, essentially, unbelief in Christ. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, denying the gospel. The only unpardonable sin there is, essentially. If someone denies the gospel, how can they get into the kingdom? They're going to face judgment. Jesus took judgment, so man doesn't have to face judgment. But a rejection of Jesus, who died not only for our sins, but also for the whole world, First John says. If they reject that, how are they going to have life? Essentially, that's the greatest sin of all, is the denial of God's Son. He came in perfect love, and he came and was crucified for us, and yet denying him, rejecting him, the one who loves you more than anybody. That should bring conviction. The love of Christ, right? And just the, the witness of the gospel and saying no to that. So the Holy Spirit's in the world convicting people that they need Jesus, Right? And an unbelief in, denial of, rejection of Jesus is what the Holy Spirit's convicting the world about regarding sin, that he is the only Savior. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, he says. Righteousness, because he's going to rise from the grave. So he's going to prove that he is the only righteous one. No one can stand before the presence of a holy God. No one can stand before the glory of God. But Jesus will be there. Because he's perfectly, perfectly righteous, without sin. And man tries to present his own righteousness. Jesus said, if you're righteous, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And they're probably everybody's sitting there and be like, oh, great, well, I'm done. Like, how can I exceed their righteousness? Tithing mint and cumin and like all their little things they do. I can't exceed their righteousness. You need a different kind. Unless you become like little children, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Because the doorway through isn't anything of the righteousness of men that men can produce. The doorway through is Jesus. And his righteousness he will impute to us by his grace. So man tries to make his own righteousness. I have a friend, he says that the, the universal false gospel is good works. I can do it. 
Doesn't that what, isn't that what all the false religions teach? You can do it. Do these certain things and you will possibly have some sort of righteousness. That's what all the false religions teach. You'll have a righteousness if you do. Good works. Hedonism, atheism, agnosticism, all of that stuff. I've been a good person. That will be people's defense the world around. It doesn't matter where you go. They will rely on good works, essentially. And you narrow it down. And so the Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness. No. That's, how good do you need to be? That's not good enough. You need a righteousness. And his righteousness is proven because he rose from the dead. And that has not happened to any other person, any other prophet, anybody. Jesus rose from the dead. So his righteousness is available to us by faith. Romans 4, Romans 5. Through believing in Jesus, through faith in him, he grants us the righteousness of Christ. So he's convicting the world. You don't have a righteousness. And of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. This one was like, sort of, whoa, what's that talking about? He hasn't even gone to the cross yet. Who's the ruler of the world? Yeah, who's the one who holds sway over the world? You know, the, the workers of disobedience and so forth, and it talks about that in Ephesians and elsewhere. It's like, well, I don't know that guy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, most people would say, I don't even believe in that. How could that be or whatever? Man, Satan just wants people to do whatever they want. Satan just wants people to deny Jesus, deny the gospel, all fronts against the gospel. He doesn't care whether it's this agenda or that agenda or this politic or that politic, as long as it's not the gospel of Jesus, right? As long as people are held under that delusion, then, then the enemy is perfectly fine with that. That's why, you know, what do we divide over? Hopefully it's only what it says in Corinthians. If anyone comes preaching another spirit, uh, another gospel, another Jesus, or comes with another spirit. That's it. Those three are the big three. And so that is Antichrist. And the ruler of this world is judged. Everyone under his house of cards will fall with him. Think about that. What began the whole mess? Satan tempting in the garden. No one's tempted by God. And so all that are in Adam's race, all that have fallen sway... All of it's going to be judged. If the head of the house has gotten judged, is getting judged, everyone's going down that way with them. Does that make sense? So sin, righteousness, and judgment. And judgment's been committed to or given to the son, the one who loves man, the one who came to die for man. Judgment's been committed to him, and he will judge the world in righteousness and truth. Those who are in Christ, though, won't face the judgment of God for their sin because Jesus died on the cross for it. So there's being judged or justified. The unbeliever will be judged and the believer justified. So practically, I think that this looks like the gospel. I think that the Holy Spirit convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment looks like the gospel. And when the gospel is shared, really, those three fronts are tied together in the presentation of it. And Jesus tells his disciples that it's better that I go because you're going to have the Holy Spirit And when you share the gospel, what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to be there witnessing the truth and reality of the gospel to everyone that hears. Look at Romans 1.16. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. What's the power of God for salvation? The gospel is the power of God for salvation to anyone and everyone who believes. Jew or Greek, anybody, right? And then it even says this, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Oh. So when the gospel is presented, the righteousness of God is revealed. You don't have to use the word righteousness even. You just present the gospel and people realize 
Oh, no man can do it. Jesus had to do it for us. And people should understand that they're not righteous and that Jesus is righteous and they need his righteousness. So the just shall live by faith, faith in him to receive that righteousness. Anyways, the power is in the gospel. And then Romans, uh, or sorry, I'll, let's go to Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, how are we going to do this? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be witnesses. You know, to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So the presence of the Holy Spirit, receiving power, a dunamis, and then also the gospel, which is the power of God's salvation. Now think about that. So here, the disciples have been promised, don't go out and do anything yet. Receive the Holy Spirit first. And then, as you share, it's the gospel is the power of God's salvation. The Holy Spirit is working when we're not even aware of it when the gospel is shared. You may not feel any electrifying thing happen, but you got to believe it. The Holy Spirit's working when the gospel is shared. I've had instances like that. Uh, one in particular, that was, I was washing dishes. I was working at a pizza place and also Christian radio at the same time. And then I remember, and this was very distinct because it was late at night and we're washing dishes in this big sink pit. And this uh, girl's there washing dishes too, and she's got all this rave, she's a rave addict or whatever, Southern California. And then she said, I'm going to be great. I'm like, no, you're not. The Bible says nothing new under the sun. You know, I felt like, I literally, I felt like I was taking needles and just popping her balloons, ruining her party. You know, and I did not feel spiritual or even nice. And then um, she'd say, oh, no, I'm going to be like Joan of Arc. And I'm going to do something awesome. And I'm like, no, sorry. You know, it's something else. And that's how the conversation went. Well, it turns out she, she came running to Christ like running, and her life changed. I didn't have to be the Holy Spirit for her. We would just pray, and we're like, man, you know, the, the porn star t-shirt, she'd wear that. She had like a book of dreams, and there's like, there's everything, you know? Well, she just started getting rid of stuff left and right. You know, we didn't do anything. We didn't, we didn't have to come over and like control her life. Not at all. From the inside out, her life started just dynamically, powerfully changing. And she was so won over to the Lord, like begging to be saved at one point. It's just awesome. We're like, well, let's explain it to you a little more. She's like, no, I need to be. Yeah. So she, her account of that is that she felt that night, like um, we're washing dishes. She thought like, she thought there must have been angels in the room. She thought like it was so insanely spiritual and powerful. And honestly, it couldn't have been the furthest from the truth how I felt. I felt like, I can't wait to get out of here. I'm so tired of washing these greasy dishes. But I shared the gospel. You see what I'm saying? You don't know. You have no idea. We don't know. Share the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation. Rely on the Lord. He will receive power. And it's a good thing we don't necessarily feel those electrifying things all the time or something like that. Maybe it would go to our heads. Throughout the book of Acts, when the gospel is presented, guess what you find? whether it is to the uncircumcised or circumcised or the ignorant Greek or the knowledgeable Jew, it included judgment. It included that. Acts 24, 25 is in a nutshell, a perfect example. As he reasoned, that's Paul, about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. And this is to a ruler. Paul's supposed to be the one on trial. It kind of got turned around. Who did that? The Holy Spirit. Felix was afraid, and he answered, I want to talk later about it, he, he took the exit door. He left the meeting. Why? Do you think the Holy Spirit convicted Felix? 
Absolutely. The Holy Spirit convicted Felix. Was Paul trying to convict Felix? Felix? No. He was just sharing the gospel. Felix, you need a righteousness that you don't have. and You can't get it outside of Jesus. Felix, even though you try to practice self-control, you're still, by nature, you have sin. It doesn't matter how good the outside of the cup looks. Felix, there's a judgment to come. You're accountable. The Holy Spirit was there. So the Holy Spirit ministers alongside and within and through the gospel in our lives. That is awesome. And Jesus is telling his disciples that. Hey, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. You're not going to need me to be the answer man for you and always giving the answers. You're not going to need me to be here and standing in between you and them. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to do a supernatural work that you can't do in and of yourself. I know that. And you're going to be able to just share. Just simply share. Amen? You don't have to know everything. And by the way, it's what it gets into in the second application here, that God will guide you into all truth. He'll, he'll build you up in the truth. In verse 12 through 15, the second application, the Holy Spirit has guide. I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. What a blessing. This world needs truth. What a mess this world's in. Everybody like throwing mud at each other and stuff like that. The world needs truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus shares the truth. Everywhere he went, he would bring truth to bear in the situation. And that's just amazing. And, and people, would, people would not have either a response and defense and excuse or so forth, or they would, their hearts would be warm that God really does love them. Think about the woman at the well. God loves her. She began cynical, and then her heart was totally warmed up and becomes the first evangelist in the Samaritan area. The world needs the truth of the gospel. It's dying. And, and then Jesus, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. So the Holy Spirit is, a, is, is one who delivers. The Father wills. Jesus accomplishes or fulfills. And the Holy Spirit applies all the work Christ has done all that he is. The Holy Spirit brings that into reality into the believer's life. So we're baptized into one body by the Spirit, right? We know that we're his children because we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So all the work Christ has accomplished, all that he's done, he always did to please the Father, not man. The Holy Spirit applies all that Christ is and has done. And all things that are the Father's have belonged to Christ and all things that Christ he gives to the Spirit who delivers it to us. Isn't that awesome? What a, what a wonderful thing that we have access to the Father through the work of Christ because of the Holy Spirit's presence. So whenever we're, we're praising the Lord and so forth, we're glorifying Jesus. You know, that's what the Spirit's, Spirit ministers amongst the body, edifying the body, building up the body, and glorifying Christ in the body. And a church that, that relies upon the Holy Spirit and, and just simply goes and shares or simply... Um, it, it worships the Lord Jesus, gets into the word of God. This, he's the spirit of truth. Never separate the, the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, before I moved up to Canada, I was in Mississippi working with radio as well for a little bit. And, and my choice was the Baptist, Southern Baptist Church or the Pentecostal Church. And uh, so honestly, I, I would go to both. And I'd go to uh, one for more dynamic fellowship. And, and just it was just the, the love was emanating. And then I'd go to the other one for the word. 
And praise God, I love, I love being involved with Calvary Chapel because it's not like I have to go to two churches. Now I get to go to a church that has the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. You know, it's wonderful. Why are, why are these things separated? Spirit guides us into truth. You know, the truth isn't, isn't just a dry bone. The oil is given, and so it's a blessing. Get into the Word of God and be prayerful and depend on the Holy Spirit, and you can grow. Grow in the Lord because He guides you into truth. You're wondering what to do in a situation. Get into the Word of God. Have you prayed about it? Have you sought Him in the Word? Or are you just constantly going to someone else to get bread from them? God has it for you, you know, and it's, it's great to be around in fellowship with one another, but the Holy Spirit is not just external, but now internal. It is better that he goes. And it was hard to believe. Now think about it. He's the light of the world. And then he calls the believers, you're the light of the world. How does that work? Is he the light of the world or am I the light of the world? Or are we the light of the world? You know, I don't feel like the light of the world. Listen, as, the, as that light, as John the Baptist was not that light, but he was the true light which comes, gives light to every man coming to the world, Jesus is the light of the world. As that light was put out, so to speak, it fanned into a hundred tiny sparks in the disciples. And as it spread, it fanned into thousands of sparks. And as it spread, that fanned into hundreds of thousands of sparks and through the centuries to us. Because the promise is not just to you, but also to those who are afar off. That's us. You want to find out where you're at in the Bible? You're right there. Anywhere the believer goes, anytime and in all places, in every circumstance, the Holy Spirit is with you. Don't forget that. You feel alone. You feel like, I don't know what's going on in your life, but if you feel like, I don't know if I can go on. I don't know what to do. I need guidance. You don't just need guidance for practical things in life, career, location, etc. You need guidance for your soul. Jesus is that guidance. Is the world not looking for guidance? Why are horoscopes in the papers? Why is whatever? We have guidance. We have the guide. Holy Spirit, right? The Word of God guiding us into the truth. So what a, what a wonderful promise. And, and it's to be taken to their heart to comfort their hearts, that they're not to be overwhelmed by the sorrow of his departure because something better is coming. The presence, the close fellowship. Do you know the Holy Spirit not just as the helper, but as my helper in closing? Do you, do you know the Holy Spirit as a personal helper in all situations? I mean, to become more acquainted with the Lord, really, to rely upon him more. And, you know, if it's sharing the gospel, for instance, simply sharing, you don't have to know everything. You just have to have the Holy Spirit, the presence, the, and, and the simple gospel. Have you been in that spot where you're like, I don't really know the gospel? I, I have had that attack for years, many times, even though I'd shared the gospel for years. It still happens, like, but do you really understand how to share the gospel? What do you share? Do you... Oh, man, that is so, that's, I could just say that, that's demonic. The gospel's so simple. Jesus came for us because we need a savior. He died because we need a sacrifice, and he rose from the dead because he's righteous. Like, you don't even have to put it that way. Just Jesus came for us because the world needs life. Everyone's dying. We need a, we need a savior. He alone is righteous. Just sharing the gospel. It's so simple. And secondly, do you know him as, as your guide, personally? receiving direction from the Lord. You know, wherever you're at in life, growing in, in, in the response to the Lord and his word and into his presence. You know, maybe you need today just to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And, and again, once again, and over and over, in the Bible, it's clear. Be continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. It's not a, it's a one-off, not at all. No. He will be with you, and he will be in you, and he will be upon you in your life. So the reality of being without Jesus, I can't imagine. I mean, they're, they're thinking, if he goes, what are we going to do? I could never go back. No way. If I went back to being lost, so lost, you know, I, 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 nothing could, could give me a reason for living. And the disciples, it was the same. How depressed Jesus is leaving us. And he dies on the cross. Okay, we heard he rose again. And they're like, I can't imagine what Peter was going through, what the others were going through. No wonder he went, just, let's just go back to Galilee. Jesus said, I'm going to precede you to Galilee, by the way. But those, they didn't get it. You know, and for me, if I start concentrating on that, what it would be like to be without the Lord, it's, that's a deep, dark chasm I don't want to go to. You know what I'm saying? If you don't know the Lord, you need to know the Lord because you're lost. And every soul needs Christ. And he's for you, not against you. He died, he rose again, and, and he'll come into your life in a powerful way. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your presence by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your church, that we're one body. We thank you for your love, that you so loved the world that you gave yourself, and, and that you would die in our place. Lord, to the very last drop, you loved us. And I thank you, Jesus, for your plan, which is way better than our plans. We don't know how you work sometimes, Lord, but we thank you that you're at work. We don't understand why sometimes, Lord. Help us not be frustrated. Help us not be like ignorant children, Lord. Help us to accept your will with gladness and to understand that you are for us and that you're at work and that you want to do dynamic things. So, God, we thank you. And I pray that you would fill us with boldness and I pray that you'd fill us with courage and I pray you'd fill us also with your comfort that you're for us and you're going to help us. Thank you, Lord for the spirit of truth. In your name, amen. We're here today. Uh, I know time's moving on, but we'd be remiss if we didn't just take some time to pause and, and just continue to ask the Lord to do that work in our hearts. And that was a great word, Cam. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And